episode 101 in the actor's room. My name is Jeff Tarowski. Welcome back. In this week, this episode, we continue with Brando Redux Part 2. So sit back, relax. I hope you enjoy this show of the actor's room. Here we go. Brando Redux Part 2. Last episode, we touched on a few things. And I ended the episode talking about aspects of Marlon Brando in his traits, mannerisms, his way of thinking, his emotions, playing into how he viewed others. And then in the long run, we'll help him in his acting. And we'll get into more of that in the future. But for now, we're going to touch upon his sisters. Marlon Brando had two sisters. And we touched on the parents a lot last episode. There'll always be a theme in the redux. But for now, let's touch upon Marlon Brando's sisters. They were both older than him. The oldest was Jocelyn. And Jocelyn was sort of a second mother to little Bud Brando because Mrs. Brando would be drunk, gone, just out of the picture for the most part. Jocelyn became the second mother, taking care of her two younger siblings. She was a good person, I think, Jocelyn. Just like Marlon carrying with her a lot of baggage, garbage, But she held on to it pretty well. She also became an actress. Of course, not as big as Marlon. (laughs) But she was an actress as well. She even studied in New York City at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. And this will play into a young Marlon Brando going to New York himself in his early life. If it wasn't for Jocelyn going to New York City, Marlon Brando may not have gone at all. And that's important. Yes, his mother, Dodie, loved acting. And she did. And she was actually pretty good. Reviews that she got, and I'm talking about Mrs. Brando, Dodie, were incredible. She was a sensation In Omaha, Nebraska, the Omaha Playhouse, a big deal. She was sort of making a career for herself. But there was one problem. Mr. Brando, Mr. Dickhead, (laughs) I'm hard on uh, Marlon Sr. And for good reason. He was sort of a douchebag. But Mr. Brando decided to move the family for several reasons. One of them. Dodie was just not stable. Never was. But definitely in Omaha, doing well in the theater, she was not present at home, doing motherly things, wifely duties, and she was sleeping around. There were problems. And Mr. Brando Sr. 
thought it would be a good idea to move the family from Omaha to Illinois. This crushed Dodie. Mrs. Brando went in deep depression after this. Senior took her away from her love of acting. She was a big deal in Omaha as an actress. Not anymore. In Illinois, she had to start over, make new friends, and she did. But they weren't the friends she had in Omaha. And Mrs. Brando would never be the same after that. Her drinking actually got worse. Senior thought that the move would help, but it only hurt the family more. So a little background into Dodie Brando as an actress and her downfall as a person, sort of being ripped away from something she loved and was getting great reviews from acting. And this will seep into the kids because Jocelyn soon after this, when she graduated from high school, didn't hesitate. Off to New York City, she went and studied at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts and at other schools as well and other private teachers. I believe she went to the studio too, the actor's studio. This opened the door for young Marlon to go to New York as well. And before we talk about young Marlon venturing out to New York City, we got to talk about Franny. And this was the middle child, Frances. She was a couple of years older than Bud. And she was a good student. Um, I believe Jocelyn and Marlon struggled a little bit with grades, homework, and all that stuff. Uh, getting the wrath of Mr. Brando. You know, got to get good grades, kids. Bud and Jocelyn didn't really toe the line with the grades, but Franny did. She wanted the approval of her father, Francis. She was one of the smartest kids in her class. And she wanted to be an artist. Drawing, painting, and all that stuff. Sculpting. And I believe she went to New York as well to study in art. A very artistic family. And like I said last episode, this spawned from the mom's side. Although mom drank a lot, had issues. <laughs> she had some issues. Uh, Dodie gave the kids um, that interest. Art re- related. Reading books about it. Just going to see art, going to museums. One of the things that Marlon Brando would say in his book, his autobiography, titled, The Songs My Mother Taught Me. He talks very highly of his mom in the respect of how she gave him something like art. She would have a a big bed that she would lay on a lot, Mrs. Brando, instead of doing housework. She would just lay in bed sometimes all day. And have uh, newspapers, books, crossword puzzles. Uh, the, the record player would be playing at all times. Big band stuff. Classical music. Culture. And Brando would listen to his mother sing. While she laid on her bed. Talking philosophy. Talking about life. Talking about art. Talking about human behavior. Almost anything and everything was on the table in the Brando household in regards to art. And young Marlon got this from his mother. Francis did. Jocelyn as well. So the three kids, deep-rooted and interested in the arts. Marlon Brando 
was such a tyrant in school. He had kicked out of high school. Uh, there were several reason, w- reasons why. Couldn't talk there for a second, folks. I'm sorry. I get a little bit excited talking about uh, Marlon. Uh, I've read up on him a lot. And sometimes the words, they, uh, <laughs> I apologize. But anyway, <laughs> getting back on track, Marlon Brando got kicked out of high school for several reasons. There wasn't just one reason. He was a pain in the ass. His dad was done with Marlon. We'll call him Bud, uh, Marlon or Bud. And Marlon Sr. was just done with this kid. His grades sucked. He got into trouble a lot. In school and at home. And now he just got kicked out of high school. What am I going to do with this guy? (laughs) Because, you know, he got kicked out of a public school, right? And then his dad sent him to a military school. And he got kicked out of there too. Um, Under mysterious circumstances. uh, At the military school. Okay. Um, basically they didn't want him there, both schools, because he was such a pain in the ass. He'd sneak out of his dorms, just picking up women. Uh, it was rumored that he would pick up boys as well. Okay. Um, that's not just a rumor. I don't even know why I said that. Marlon Brando at a young age, a teenager in high school, uh, was experimenting with young boys. That's a fact. I hate saying it. And when I say young boys, I mean, he was 17 and the young boys were like a freshman. So a senior and a freshman. So, but he was experimenting back then. And if you don't know that Marlon Brando was bisexual, uh, he struggled with that, especially in his young life. Um, because. He didn't want that part of himself to be uh, something that signified him or defined him, if that makes any sense. It would give him panic attacks where in New York City he'd lay down on the ground in the middle of New York City to catch his breath. Uh, It bothered him that he was interested in men, something he couldn't deny. Uh, It's something he experimented with. Not only to fulfill something within him, but to also search for other things in art as far as acting goes. To experience almost anything and everything he could within reason. That was something an artist does. And although Marlon Brando had no problem (laughs) um, sleeping with both women and men. And I gotta tell you, from what I gather... Marlon Brando preferred women over men. Now, he would go there, whether it was something he yearned or something that expanded his world. Uh, Not only his artistic world, but just the world. He wanted to know what that felt like. And I don't think he felt there was a difference between... uh, a woman's love and a man's love. As long as he was getting something out of it. Whether it was pleasure or just emotion. Or that certain need that he was getting from this other person. 
not a man or woman, but person. If it turns sexual, he just sort of let it happen. And if Brando was at a party um, and he found that he was attracted to a certain man, it may not have been just because he was a man, but there was something he felt that he could get from that person. If that makes any sense at all. I hope it does. What I mean is, it didn't matter what sex they were. If he felt that he could get something from them, uh, digest it, devour it, and have it make sense to him, and, and then make him grow, then he did it. He was open to that. And it bothered him that he was able to do these things. Um, because I think ethics played in. Because... As free as he was as a person, an artist, and experiencing all of these things that maybe you and I would never experience because we're not open to that. Some people are just not open to it. It's not my bag, they say. Well, some other people don't feel that way. The bag? There is no bag. <laughs> it's, just, it, it's, it's just this. It's that. Um, and then you have the real world or people that Brando would communicate with outside this, this open world that told him that's wrong. Or in conversation, hearing somebody say, well, somebody that does that, they're going to hell. They're, they're doing things that God would frown upon or just being that way. How dare you? And I think hearing that, because back then, it's not like today where things are a little more um, accepted. It wasn't like that back then. Uh, maybe in his artistic world it, it did. But outside of that, the real world back in 1940s, 50s, okay, might have been hard for Brando to deal with. And for that, he would go to therapy. Uh, a th- he had a therapist, I think, his entire life, but especially... In the beginning of his venture out to New York City. So let's talk about that now. Because I talked about my experiences in New York City a couple of months ago. I highlighted a show that I gave my opinion about New York acting school. Who I met. uh, How I felt about things. The experiences I had. Um... Revealing to me because I grew up a lot and you find yourself. Well, Mr. Brando, Bud Brando, ventured off to New York City because his dad, quite plainly, didn't know what else to do with his son. Dodie, the mom, convinced the dad, hey, Jocelyn, his sister, is out there and she's doing fine. Let Bud go. In high school, they said he had talent. He was pretty good at acting. Bud, would you like to give it a try? And you got to remember that Marlon Brando, a young Marlon Brando, a teenager, 17, 18 years old, really didn't know what the hell he was going to do with his life. After he got kicked out of school, he was digging ditches. Hated it, of course. Who, Who would like it? Nobody. Marlon Brando was digging ditches after high school. 
and Mrs. Brando convinced the father, let him go. What else is he going to do? He's not good at anything else. <laughs> except, except having sex. He was really good at that. But unless he becomes a male prostitute. <laughs> okay. Um, I really don't see how this kid is going to make any money. He's so undisciplined. I don't see him working a nine to five job. I, I just don't see it. So send him off to New York City. Brando thought about it and decided it would be the best course of action. Give it a try. Why the fuck not? In high school, they slapped him on the back. They said, buddy Brando, well, you're good at acting. Your mom said that this is something you could do. And I think you can. So in his young life, acting was the only thing that people complimented him on. So he thought, all right, let's go. And New York City was freedom, man. For someone like Marlon, who just got out of military school. Think about that. You have military school, okay? A certain time you got to get up. I mean, imagine how structured that is. He hated that. And then you have New York City and acting school, man. You can't have two different things. New York City was like a playground to Marlon Brando in 1940s. Paradise, in a way. Women everywhere. (laughs) Beautiful women everywhere. And he was going to attend acting school. He thought about the American Academy. And he thought about other schools. But Jocelyn, his sister, mentioned the School of Research, a, a newer school with a bunch of Great minds in theater. And this school really did a number on these students. And I'll tell you why. This school was like a full-time job. Which was a complete, completely different story of what I experienced. Um, At the academy, it was like four hours a day. At the playhouse. It was maybe six hours a day. So the playhouse definitely was a bit more structured. But nothing like what Marlon Brando did in the 40s. They started at like 7 a.m. And sometimes, you know what? I don't think it was that early. Strike that. I believe it was around 9. They started around 9. Their classes. And it was said that they didn't get out of there. Until sometimes after midnight. That's a long day. I mean that's uh, overtime. It was an all day extravaganza. For Marlon Brando. Young in his life. Learning about acting. From 9am to midnight. And sometimes later. Um, But Brando. um, Did struggle at first. um, Just because he didn't want to show his hand. Uh, He was quiet, um, feeling things out, just like he would do with his later work. This is something that is a theme with him in his life concerning uh, acting. He took his time. He didn't just jump in and say, here I am. For him, he was interested in doing it right. 
I think deep down, his mother instilled in him this important aspect or trait. This is an art form, bud, she would tell him. And it takes time. You have to really read the text. You have to really listen. And if you do it right, okay, you're gonna have to study. And although Bud Brando was dyslexic and didn't read that well, he made a point to really work at it. Pick up those big, thick books about philosophy. Read it. Comprehend it. Those are two different things. Reading something and then understanding it. And then Marlon Brando took his mom's advice about this. Once you're done reading that philosophy book or whatever book you're reading, you find somebody and then you talk about it. I love that. You're taking it a step further because not only are you digesting what you just read and make sense of it, but then you're reaching out and searching out others to discuss it. Like a book club, sort of. But you're creating this mystique about philosophy because once you share your knowledge or your opinion, okay, it becomes this beautiful thing. It becomes alive. And art should feel that way within you. That's the beauty of art. You can just talk about it endlessly because everybody's got their spin, okay? And although Bud struggled reading, He pushed through that in an acting school. He felt that staying in the shadows would be the right call in the beginning. Feel everybody out. Show them a little bit, but not everything. Bud was calculated. He was calculating. Not calculated. (laughs) He was calculating. He took you in. Like we explained last episode. He studied you. He didn't show his cards. But he wanted you to show all of yours. I think the only cards Marlon Brando showed was his Joker card. <laughs> and that's probably it. Really. The, the Joker card. <laughs> that's it. <sighs> but... There was one person in school, one person, one teacher, that if it wasn't for this teacher, and I know there's a lot of things that have to happen in your life or the life of a star, anybody that's successful, uh, there are many moments that have to happen for them to sort of reach their peak. Uh, Helping hands, uh, the right circumstances. Pure luck sometimes. But for me, the most important person besides his mother that made it possible for us to consider Marlon Brando to be the greatest actor ever and all of these other actors we love today adore and study this man is because of Stella Adler. Look her up. But for me, she may have very well been The perfect teacher for a young Marlon Brando. He needed that one person 
to not only give him the confidence, but just to have that person there for you, uh, picking you up when you fall, encouraging you, taking you in to their life. Stella Adler took Marlon into her world. She adored him. She knew that he was going to be the next big thing. She said it. She told the other teachers. She told her family. She told everybody that was important to her that she had found her uh, prodigy. (laughs) That golden boy, that student, that one kid that I will take under my wing and make a star. And not just a star, but somebody inspirational. Did Stella Adler know that this young kid was going to change acting forever? Maybe not. But I think she knew deep down that this kid had what it took to be one of the best. One of the best. And this is from a lady that was grounded in the group theater. Uh, The Stella family, they were no joke. She knew about greatness. She had been around it her entire lifetime. Her eyes got wide when a young Marlon Brando walked in the room. She saw his hurt. That vulnerability, those eyes. uh, The way he even just sat in a chair. There was something about that young man. He would come up in class and mumble. You saw something inside that stir. And although his technique was just all over the place. And and not concentrating like he should just yet. She saw that vulnerability. The look. He was beautiful. He carried himself in a way that was intriguing. His looks. His stares. He looked interested. But wounded. He had the whole package. And Stella saw that prodigy that she can mold, take in, uh, treat like a son. Sort of, but in my opinion, it wasn't like a son. In the beginning, it might have felt that way for Stella. But it was more along the lines of a young boyfriend. Ho <laughs> Shidaba. And uh, I mentioned that these things happen. Uh, Students sleeping with students. That's a given. But students sleeping with their teachers. And I believe Marlon Brando slept with Stella Adler a few times. They would be caught in situations. uh, uh, People would walk in the room and see... uh, Uh, Marlon and Stella in compromising positions. Now, I'm not saying people caught him in the act. But Stella would be in... uh, And this is at her house, by the way. I told you, Stella Adler took in Marlon Brando. And I don't mean just in uh, her heart. (laughs) In the classroom. Marlon would come over to her house. Her apartment. To her family. Eating dinners. Discussing philosophy, talking life, talking acting. Oh, she took him in, all right. (laughs) Marlon Brando, he sucked it all in. 
if Stella invited him or he invited himself, but he was in the door. And he took in everything, ate their meals, listened to their conversations. Uh, the Adler family, they were Jewish, traditional, a bit crazy, just artful crazy. And Marlon loved it. Well, he sopped it up, taking that all in the culture. Oh, the culture dripped in the Stella Adler household. And Marlon Brando took it in. He just absorbed everything. The kid was a sponge. And he spoiled himself with that family. Sleeping on their couch. (laughs) Eating their meals. Messing with Stella, who was married. Hmm? (laughs) She was married, and I think the husband knew there was something going on and despised Brando because of it. Hey, I get it. If my wife's messing around with this really good-looking uh, acting student, mind you, this is a rumor. I think it's true. I think Bud Brando, he went there, and he also went there with Stella's daughter, Ellen. I believe her name was Ellen. And she was really young. Uh, Brando being about 18, 19 at this time. And Stella's young daughter. She was young. Ellen. 14, 15. Oh, buddy. <laughs> Sleeping with the mom and the kid. But this is what Brando would do. And those weren't the only ones. I don't know if I want to get into that now. Why? Do you know what? We'll get into that right now. I mean, this is the Brando Redux. And I know we're talking about acting school. And we touched upon that. We may touch upon that more later too. But because I got him in Stella's house. And him sort of spoiling himself with the mom and the daughter. And woo, 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 oh buddy. Um, uh, like I said, they weren't the only ones. Bud saw New York City as a sexual playground. And he just took it in and (laughs) slept with a lot of beautiful women. And then when he was done with them, okay, (laughs) he found that um, he seemed to be only attracted to a certain type of girl after uh, he sort of uh, went with everybody else. He pinpointed um, ethnic, sort of, uh, I want to say Puerto Rican slash Mexican slash, um, I don't know, ethnic women. Sort of kind of wild women, uh, jungle women. This one friend said he would be only... With, they would say like jungle cat women, uh, leopard women. I don't know what that means, but sort of exotic, dark, um, sensual women, um, flaky women, women that would do whatever he said, um, weaker sort of women. And this was important to young Marlon because This became a central thing in his life. Um, His dates. His women. And men. Mostly women though. 
And he kept a strict schedule on his dates. Um, and he would make a point to not miss a date. Never. He kept his women in line. And they had special time slots. It's true. And there was one time that he got injured and was in the hospital for like a week. And I believe that he was more upset that he couldn't keep his dates with women instead of other things in his life. Whether it was uh, school or a play that he was in. No, that wasn't important. He made sure that the dates were taken care of. And he had his friends sort of fill in for him on the dates until he was able to see them again. This was important to Bud. To have this web of women, men, around him. He needed that. He liked that these women wanted to see him. (laughs) And then when he was done with them, he moved on. Found other women. But these women satisfied a need within his soul. His sexual drive was off the charts. Off the charts. So we went there. We kind of talked about that. And how that was a big part of his life, Marlon Brando. Having sex was really up there. Um, For others, most of us anyway, that's sort of a thing that we hope happens often. (laughs) But Right, we uh, especially young in our lives, we're at our peak sexually, like uh, later teenage years, early twenties. You know, we think about it often. Um, well, when you're that age, it's a lot, and you hope it happens every now and then. But for Marlon Brando, this was essential, and if he didn't get it every day, there was a problem. <laughs> okay, uh, there were issues that hey, I haven't got laid in like twenty four hours. This ain't right. (laughs) Uh, And he was very gentle. um, And in acting school, he would date a few of his classmates. And one of the classmates he tried to get into bed, seduce, um, was in a convent. Like, that's where she stayed when she went to acting school. It was like a convent. And she had to be back by like 11 or they closed the doors And she couldn't stay there. So Marlon had her out on a date. They visited churches. He took her out to eat. And then the nightcap at his place. At his place there. She said okay. She came in. And Marlon excused himself for a few moments. Came back with just a robe on. Nothing underneath. (laughs) Hey-o. And the date was... Visibly nervous <laughs> with this forwardness first date with Marlon Brando. <laughs> she got scared, panicked, and asked if she could go home. Bud didn't comprehend this in his brain. Like, I believe most of the dates succumbed to Mr. Brando. Like, he had the charm, he was very handsome, and uh, if he turned it on just right, okay. Uh, he was never really denied. They gave in. They gave him what he wanted. And he would walk them home. Well this date. Was like uh no ain't gonna happen. I'm scared. Might have been her first time. Right. Didn't want to do it that night. Freaked out. Uh, Marlon I want to go home. He said fine. 
Didn't look pissed at all Just a little disappointed Gave her a little bit of money And said good luck He didn't walk her home Make sure she got home okay And this uh, The girl was visibly um, Just scattered Upset And devastated At his reaction Uh, She went to the convent And of course it's after 11 o'clock Of course And banging on the convent door At like 1 o'clock in the morning And for the rest of the evening Cried her eyes out And told the nuns about what happened But the, the main point of that story Is after that Of course Marlon would see this girl In class And her name was Elaine Stritch Actually she became Uh a very popular actress in her own right um, Elaine This is her story Elaine Stritch They would see each other in class after that Right And Marlon completely ignored her After that She didn't exist in his world And I find this very interesting Because She didn't give him What he wanted at that time That night Being denied that way Now she became Almost erased From his world Because he couldn't comprehend That reality So in class He ignored her I mean she wasn't even there for him Gone At parties he'd walk right by her She'd say hi Marlon Whew, Nothing And now later on down the line Okay, because they would run into each other in New York afterwards. It took a few years for him to get over that. And they became friends again. But what is that? That that thing with him back then where he was so immature, still growing as a person, that Elaine, that date, that night, um, did something to him where... It turned this little thing off in him About her Right off And I think that's significant In the young Marlon Brando's life Something to think about To study What is that And people do this I, I understand You're embarrassed right? Maybe Marlon was just flat out embarrassed This girl embarrassed him That night and he was going to show her, <laughs> you know, I'm going to be mad at you for a while. <laughs> it took years for Marlon to get over that, that denial that night. How dare you not have sex with me? What's wrong with you, woman? I'm amazingly beautiful. I turned on the charm. I guess he had music in the background. Uh, it was all set up. Like, I'm sure he planned the whole thing out. This was a game for Marlon. It wasn't moment to moment really for him in real life. I think he had pl- things planned out. Uh, even in his acting too, he had it all planned out uh, as far as research and getting into character. All of those things was a step-by-step process that required steps that only he could manage on his own time. And he needed the right people around him to guide him. In his artistic life And although his personal life Was fucked up Something that Is almost hard to explain I've tried to make sense of it In my head How he acted in real life To other people 
the people he had around him. For instance, in acting school, he acquired a few friends. Darren Dublin and Carlo Fiore were his two closest friends. One of them was just a cut-up, kind of a moron, hang-around. Marlon could do anything, and Darren would be right behind him laughing. Uh... They made fun of each other, that sort of thing. Um, But Darren would do anything for Marlon. And Carlo, kind of the same thing. Uh, Carlo was also a sex addict. So they had that in common, chasing after girls. So like I said before, uh, his two closest friends, Darren and Carlo, uh, he got something from them. And he really didn't have to try too hard. (laughs) Uh To be friends with those two guys. But he needed that guidance. Not only from his friends. His web of friends. But his teachers. And Stella Adler. Did all she could. To take that young man. Who wasn't ready. At all. To be a great actor. When he stepped into her room. But he had the tools. He had the emotions. That hidden thing. That a teacher like Stella could see. And be encouraged about. Not only. Was Stella getting. The actor. To be. But she was getting. This beautiful man. That. Could walk into a room. Folks. And have every single woman look at him and go, who is that? (laughs) When you have that thing, that it factor, where you are so handsome. And and Brando had a walk to him. He walked into the room. He just didn't walk into the room. He walked into the room. He had a stride. He's been working on that for a long time. He knew he could use that. That sexuality. And it worked in his sex life. Getting women. And being successful. That he knew he could use it. In other ways in his life. And he did. And with acting. It works the same way. When you have that special it factor. Beaming. From the inside. And it comes out through the pores. You have a certain advantage over the next person. Folks. You know what? That is absolutely true. When you are very attractive. You now have a better chance. Of making it in the business. Now this really shouldn't be said about other careers. But in modeling. And acting. And singing. You are now on a level where others are not. So he had that. And Stella saw that. She was attracted to Marlon. She could deny it till Tuesday. But Stella Adler was attracted to Marlon Brando. Off the bat. Okay. And he had talent. In this mystery thing. And when she had the feeling that this kid 
is going to be something special. She dove right in. Took him in. He became part of the family. And all that other stuff about sex was just an aberration. On his way of becoming who he was. That was just part of it. He was soaking it in. Having it all make something bubble inside of him. And people telling him that he had talent and could do wonderful things on stage and maybe in front of the camera. For the first time in his life, he had a purpose. He had his women. He had school. He had acting. He had teachers that loved him. He was sort of making a a family for himself with the Adlers. And just the theater world became his family. And then you had his friends that all had a special place in his heart for him. It all was coming together professionally and psychologically and emotionally for this young man. And although he had demons deep down that he had to battle every single day of his life. There was something positive. Acting. And this is the show. The Actors Room. And Marlon Brando signifies the meaning behind my show. And we're talking about the early stages of his progression as an actor. What shaped it. That's what I'm talking about. His parents, yes. His sisters, yes. The animals they had on the farm and pets, yes. The school he went to, yes. New York City, acting school. The women, the friends, Stella Adler. His confidence growing artistically. And the possibility that he could actually make money someday doing this. And not have to work at a real job. Oh, to Marlon Brando, that was everything. To be free. To do what he wanted. To live the life, man. He didn't like people telling him what to do. Who does? But someone like Marlon... He took that sediment to the next level in his life by completely shutting out authority figures. He just didn't listen. The only adults he listened to are the ones that gave him praise, love, attention, encouragement like Stella. He respected Stella for sure. His other teachers, no fucking way. Because they were against him in a way. Or they didn't believe in him. Or they were just straight up assholes. And nobody was an asshole to Marlon Brando. Brando was the asshole to you. (laughs) Good stuff. And all this stuff reveals what made up this man. This interesting guy. Had all this stuff that 
I want to understand on my show. And I hope to, in the process, on my show, maybe entertain a few people that listen. Yes. Uh, For a second there, I'm thinking, are there people that care? I'm sure there are a few, um, but I care. I like diving into the psyche of people, especially ones that intrigue me. I mean, why is Marlon Brando one of the greatest artists in my world? When I think of him and what he did, I think it's one of the most important, I don't know, like aspects of art for me. And I want to make sense of that. Like, you know, I get it. He was um, doing something different, uh, revolutionary, in real, um, dripping with confidence on stage and on screen that was monumental, um, almost otherworldly to me, um, too real. <laughs> and is that possible? It's important. And for me, talking about it, trying to make sense of it, is fascinating. I'm fascinated with aspects of life, people, situations that I can't wrap my head around. I can't uh, make sense of it. So I have to dig deep, yes, analyze, yes, understand, maybe, but just experience. Like I get something from that. And Marlon Brando is a person overall, um, with not just acting, but even as a person, intrigued me even more because I got the talent and what I saw, and then I liked that so much and influenced me that I dug deeper into him, wanting to understand how he became the best actor I've ever seen. And a lot of other people, too, would agree with me. You know, what happened to this kid? What did he experience? How did he get all that stuff that was in him sort of fighting with one another, all the demons, that mixed or became a sort of a potion inside that was able to energize his artistic soul and then have it make sense through technique and whatever that he made himself feel comfortable with in art and have it come out. What were the ingredients inside? And I get it. You get genes from your parents, your mom and dad and all that stuff. And I get that. But there are other things, other influences outside of that that shape you. And then there's the knowledge of all that. And then that special spark within every person that makes them different from everybody else. Makes them different from somebody just picking up the phone and calling up somebody. And how they talk to that person on the phone. Or approaching a stranger To ask a question on the street. Some people can't even do that. Where others can. How one person can have a job. Where they're talking all the time. In like sales. Or training. 
or anything else that requires somebody to talk a lot all day. And they're okay with that. They can do that. Where others struggle because they just don't have it within them. But what makes people tick, damn it? That's what I'm all about in the actor's room. What makes you tick? (laughs) Marlon Brando Jr. Quite a figure in American history. I believe that. He's quite a figure of this past century. When you're talking about art especially. But just culture. American culture. He's deep rooted in the acting world. And is known as a pioneer. And for me, that's something you should know about. Study. Get to know this guy. He's a fascinating person. And we're touch on him. In the actor's room, my name is Jeff Tarowski. I hope you enjoyed this show. I love it. This is good stuff. I'm getting really passionate about this show. And I'm very sorry that this show doesn't come out every week. And sometimes, not even every other week. It comes out when it comes out. It's my show. I got other stuff going on. And I find it hard to do it on a consistent basis. But. Hold on. The shows are coming. This was part two of the Brando Redux. There's going to be one more. Maybe two. Probably just one. I'm going to cram in. Sort of. Because I think we talked a lot about the stuff inside. And how he is. Behavior. And the women. And all that stuff. But you got to just brushly talk about. Uh, The leap he took from acting school to becoming a star. We got to talk about that. And then we got to talk about his later stuff. uh, A little bit of movements that he was interested in. And then, of course, his kids. That I didn't want to talk about in the first three shows I did years ago. Uh, I even said, I'm not talking about his kids. Ain't happening. Well, we're going to talk about them next show. It has to be done. And other revealing things about Marlon. You're going to find quite disturbing. And something that I have denied in myself about him. And I just don't want it to be true. One of those things. Okay. And we're going to talk about that next episode. Okay. And I think most people don't know about. I mean it's nothing Completely mind-blowing. But it's a bit of information. um, That I find disturbing. But knowing about his past. Okay. When he was a kid. How he grew up. You won't be surprised too much. Okay. There you go. So we'll talk about that too. Oh wow. Uh, So next episode might be a bit long. I hope my voice holds up. Because about an hour here. In this show. And I can tell the voice, it gets raspy. And I don't have water here. I'm sorry. Didn't get the water or tea. <laughs> and I said that I should have wine or beer or whiskey. Uh, because of the Brando Redux. And I passed 100 episodes. Big deal. And I should be at least buzzed. <laughs> right? I should have a buzz going. But if I do that, because right now it's like 3 
in the uh, afternoon, I can't drink that early. I can't. Uh, I had my my brother's wedding a couple of weeks ago, and of course we're there early, and the guys got together at noon. We all took a shot. Okay, at noon. I wasn't right the rest of the day. I just can't do it. Other people can drink all day, and they're fine. They get a little drowsy. But me, that one shot at noon, and like the rest of the day, I was off. And by 9 o'clock, I was done. I felt bad too. I'm like, Dave, my brother Dave, I'm like, I got to go, man. I had a good time. I left way too early, you know, and I didn't want to. But I was freaking tired. I went home. (laughs) And I don't go to bed early, man. I'm up till way past midnight on a regular basis. I just, I'm up. That night, my head was on the pillow at like 11, which is very rare for me. So I hope you enjoyed the show. Don't day drink, folks. (laughs) Don't do it, man. I'm telling you. It's bad. Okay? No day drinking. Night drinking, it's good. It's good for you. You know, it's at the end of the night, right? You, you settle down, you have a couple of drinks, you unwind, watch a show, and plus alcohol makes you sleepy. does for me. So you go to bed. It's perfect because the day's over, you're relaxing, you have a few. I do that. It's great. It's my time, man. And I enjoy the night. <laughs> Maybe too much. I don't know <laughs> I enjoy the night. It, it's my time to sort of reflect. I just, I take a load off. You know, I, I watch my shows. I, I think about art. I think about the show um, of new things to do. For instance, you're going to get a doc from me when Brando's over. Holy shit. I have been completely obsessed with this case that I'm going to talk about in a few weeks. Ladies and gentlemen, I can't get enough of this case. I can't figure it out. I think I'm figuring it out, or at least learning more about it. But a sneak peek, Chris Watts, if you don't know that story, Chris Watts murdered his family. And I can't figure it out. I know these things happen. The world is a fucked up place. I know. It's fucked up. But sometimes... It's a little too fucked up for me. And when things don't seem right, okay, I'm like, this, there's something wrong here. Like, what is going on with this case? Something's off. So that's when I really dive deep. <laughs> oh, I went deep, folks. Oh, my God. Did I go there with the Chris Watts case? And they just came out with a documentary on Netflix called American Murder. Oh my God. We're going to talk about it. And if you haven't seen American Murder, I think it's called The Family Next Door on Netflix. It came out on Wednesday. But I've been obsessed with this case for months. My wife is like, "Uh, you're looking into this a little too much, Jeff. Should I be concerned? (laughs) You know, when you look up the case, you know, she's concerned about me now. (laughs) I'm like, honey, you got nothing to be worried about, okay? Uh, Don't worry. I'm not Chris Watts, okay? Not Chris Watts. Woo! 
Nelly. Oh, man. Look that up if you have no idea what I'm talking about. I can't get enough. Rabbit hole after rabbit hole after rabbit hole. Holy rabbit hole. (coughs) So, thank you. My name's Jeff. This is the Actors Room. May you have a great day. May you have a great night. May you enjoy that beverage of choice. What do you like to drink? Is it wine? Huh? Are you a red wine drinker or a white? I'm red. Folks, red wine. Pinot Noir. Mm. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Love it. I also love whiskey, too. I'm on whiskey. Love whiskey. Canadian whiskey, actually. That's my fave. I hope that you take time in your busy life this crazy year. Take time. Reflect. Enjoy life. You deserve it. It's been a rough day. It's been a week. Ugh. You need that special time with your significant other, your kids, or just yourself. Um, I do the whole bag. I enjoy the company of my wife. I enjoy the company of my kids. And then I enjoy my company. Alone. <laughs> hey. I'm not afraid to admit that. I enjoy just having my time. Um, I think that's vital. Just for your psyche. Am I right? You need that time. So I hope that you find time to do that. Uh, Don't hold things in. Try to find time to talk it out. All right. I know. Marlon Brando makes me go there, folks. You know, think deep. Deep thoughts. (laughs) Deep thoughts. It's fun to go there. A little scary too sometimes. A lot of people find it hard to dig deep. I like doing it. And I hope you do too. Oh, and too. Ah, I hope that some of you are still listening. We're also going to talk about Hollywood, folks. We can't ignore that anymore. I know I can't. So we'll talk about that too. Dark Hollywood a bit. And I will probably just touch on that next episode and then dedicate a whole episode or two on that. Dark Hollywood. And I've been hearing some shit lately that I have heard before in the past but are now sort of coming to the surface a little bit more recently. Oh, the shit. What a world. Fascinating and entertaining. So, you take care. Thanks again for listening. Have a good one.